Hello everybody, my name is Jeremy Kuris and I am grateful for the opportunity to be with you and to share from God's Word uh, with you this morning. Last time I spoke at Connect, I was there physically, in the flesh, incarnate, uh, this time virtually, but still grateful. Um, it's super cold at the time of recording, hence my, my attire. Um, we are always kind of dually, you know, in conflict here. We are thankful to God for the heavy rains. Um, but at the same time, we are mindful of those who are most vulnerable and at risk in our city uh, and the effects that heavy rains has on, on, on them. And so I think that's a good posture to be equally thankful and, and concerned, uh, which maybe frames a little bit about what we want to talk about today as well. The title of our message today is Jesus Heals Completely. Jesus Heals Completely. And we're going to read from John chapter 5. From verse 1 to verse 9. I'm going to read from the ESV translation. So if you're ready, let's dive in. John 5 from verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up and while I am going another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. This is God's word. We give him thanks. Uh, in the passage we just read, John tells us that Jesus went to Jerusalem to attend an unnamed Jewish festival. And while at the festival, Jesus encounters one of a multitude of invalids, either blind or lame or paralyzed or possibly a combination of all three. And Jesus heals this invalid on the Sabbath. I'd like to invite you to reflect on the significance of Jesus healing a lame man in Jerusalem on the Sabbath. During Jesus' earthly life and ministry, Jesus heals many. Most times, the kind of healing that Jesus worked was holistic. It was not simply physical, because Jesus often used an act of physical healing to restore people in more ways than just the, the physical aspect of their being. Often he would use that act to restore them spiritually, emotionally, uh, emotionally uh, socially, and even economically. But all by the supernatural power of God's spirit. Today, ministry in Jesus' name tends to emphasize these aspects in isolation from each other which often leads to unhealthy extremes. And that sort of ministry then 
tends to neglect the holistic or the complete nature of doing ministry like Jesus. And the healing of this lame man is a very good example of that sort of complete healing and that approach to doing ministry. So let's dig into this passage and see uh, what sort of lessons we can learn and how we can apply that to our lives. Throughout Jewish history, a certain attitude towards the lame and the blind had developed. And this had developed, as, as I said, over time. At first, and this is based on the Levitical laws, no lame or blind person could be a priest. Right? So you can read this in the Torah, in Leviticus. They were regarded as unfit for ministry. Right? But later, we find that society's views of the lame and the blind had begun to change. And the, the change had become a lot more radical than simply just the lame or the blind can't be priests. In fact, it seems that this change is linked to the time shortly after David had become king. Because what we see with David becoming king, shortly after this, he he proceeds to capture what would eventually become known as the city of Jerusalem. At that time, it was not called the city of Jerusalem. It was called Jebus. Uh, you can read about this in 2 Samuel chapter 5. So the Jebusites, the people who lived in the city of Jebus, had noticed that David was now approaching and David was uh, seeking to capture their city. And so they begin to taunt David, and their, their taunt includes this boast where they say, man, try and come up here. Even our blind and our lame will defeat you, right? So that's the, that's the taunt. Um, and so what happens is when David actually takes the city as a way of mocking the Jebusites, David then begins to call them, the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, right? And so once he conquers uh, Jerusalem, he takes the city, he sets it up as his capital. A saying begins to develop in that part of the world, in that sort of community. And the saying is, the lame and the blind shall not enter the house. The lame and the blind shall not enter the house. And it's, this is very significant. I think it's, it's, it's key because we have to remember that the, the term house could refer to the, to the house of the earthly king. In this case, David, right? His palace. Or it could refer to the house of the heavenly king, i.e. the temple. It's possible that it even referred to both the house of God and the house of the king, because both were in Jerusalem, in Zion, in the, the, you know, the city of Zion, the city of God, the city that the Jews regarded as the headquarters for God's kingdom uh, on earth. The lame and the blind were then excluded from the house. And depending on how you look at the house, they were then excluded spiritually, socially, Possibly even politically, when you think of the fact that uh, this was the headquarters for, for the king and for political affairs. So, fast forward a thousand years to the days of Jesus. And by now, 
the lame and the blind are regarded as spiritual and social outcasts throughout Jewish society. So you can see that trajectory, how it got to this place. The fact that Jesus then performs this miracle in Jerusalem is highly significant. Why? Because as we've just seen, Jerusalem is actually where the spiritual and the social exclusion of the invalids actually began. And so it's key that Jesus goes to Jerusalem to perform this miracle. Let's, let's go back to our reading. Um, in the reading, we see in verse 6, Jesus first heals the man spiritually. Why, why do I say this? Because the first thing that Jesus does is when he meets this, when he encounters this man, he challenges the man's faith. He asks him this question. He says, do you want to be healed? And when he asks if the man wants to be healed, the man begins to explain stuff. Right? <laughs> He's like, well, you know, it's really difficult because, you know, I'm depending on others. And the, the truth of the matter is others aren't helping me, blah, blah, blah. And so he's not able to get into the healing waters. Okay, this is his testimony because others can't help him. And it seems that Jesus here is, is calling something out of the man. He's calling some kind of faith out of the man that would, that would mean that the man would have to take his eyes off others and fix these eyes on God. This is a, a call for hope and trust and faith in God what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is getting at the man's faith and Jesus is restoring this man's faith even before he heals him physically. And when Jesus restores his faith, then you also see that the man's connection, not just to God, is restored as, a, as an outworking of his faith, but his connection to the community of faith. Is also restored because the first thing that happens when this man is healed is he's now free to access the temple. And so he does so. Because the lame and the blind can't go into the house, but he can because he's healed. So for the first time in 38 years, this man is able to join in corporate worship. Imagine 38 years of lockdown, no corporate worship for you. <laughs> this man is able to join in corporate worship, connecting with God and connecting with other worshippers in the presence of God. He's no longer a spiritual outcast. What's more, Jesus also heals him on the Sabbath. And this is in verse 9. This is, this is also significant. Why? Because Jesus, uh, God had always intended for the Sabbath to be a, a refreshing day, a day of rest. A day of connection or reconnection with him. A day to be restored in relationship with God. And as we see here with others, with other faithful believers. right, And a day to reflect on being released from slavery. This is actually one of the reasons that Israel is reminded to, to keep the Sabbath. We see this in, in Deuteronomy. Right? So, so. You can only imagine the kind of freedom that this man walks into as he's released from this slavery. Yes, it was physical, but we can see it was way more than that. 
He's now released from the slavery. And as he walks into corporate worship in the temple, he's, he's able to experience a kind of a relational restoration. Jesus is healing him emotionally, mentally. His dignity is restored. He can actually walk in with others and worship God. And more than that, he's, um, you can imagine his sense of, 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 of well-being, his sense of, of self-worth is also healed and restored. The response of the religious leaders is, is typical because they had turned the Sabbath into a legalistic practice. And if, if you read beyond our passage and just look at the wider context of that passage, uh, of that old chapter, then you'll see their response immediately. In fact, in the next verse, they, they come at him, right? Their whole thing is about keeping people in slavery. And that whole system was designed to keep people in slavish obedience, not a heartfelt obedience, slavish obedience to the law. And so as Jesus heals this man, Jesus actually turns this man into a living, walking example of the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, <laughs> what Jesus is doing is he's saying, this is what the Sabbath is all about. You're supposed to have freedom and reconnection to God and to others and, and to yourself. And you're supposed to rest and bask in that and enjoy all of that in God's presence. Um, and so... Our mandate as people who continue the work of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, is the same. It's healing the spiritually sick by introducing them to a relationship with God and by extension with these people. And then in this community, people then have the opportunity to also find their relationship with themselves healed and restored. All of this is foundational. This is beautiful. This is what we are called to but too often this is where we start and this is also where we end in fact we might not even go as far as as we've just spoken you know sometimes we forget about people's dignity and self-worth and and all of that but be that as it may we often still don't go much beyond this but Jesus also heals the man physically, right? That's probably the most obvious aspect of this passage. Uh, and often, at least in some settings, not, not this church, other churches. <laughs> but seriously, often this is the one of the most neglected aspects of our lives and of our ministries today. As followers of Jesus, we need to follow our Lord in bringing healing to the physically sick. As a means of demonstrating his kingdom come. The, the beautiful realities of his future kingdom come into this world today. Even as he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. And, and that's why we pray for healing because it's a, it's a sign of the coming of God's kingdom. And so let's, let's actually just pause and take a moment to pray for healing. There may be some of you uh, who are watching this, whenever you are watching this live or recorded, who are physically sick. Maybe you are on your own or if there are others around you and if it's appropriate to do so, then 
invite them to uh, to stand with you or to stand over you and to put their hands on you. Um, and and let's just pray. Let's pray. Whatever the need for physical healing might be, let's trust the same Jesus of the text. Let's trust him for that right now. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we as we take this moment, this holy moment, uh, just to stand before you, we thank you, Jesus, that you are with us now. The same Jesus of this text is with us now, standing among us. And thank you, Jesus, that you have the same power to heal. And even as we pray, Lord, by faith, we ask that you would make that power available now to all those who are ailing, those who are suffering, those who are physically sick. We pray for those who have been infected by this, this vicious virus who may be watching this. We ask that you will touch them and heal them, restore their entire beings, physical beings, Lord. We pray for those who are sick with other forms of sicknesses, whatever they may be. Even now will you touch them and heal them. As we stand in agreement concerning these things, we know that you will do this for us. Because we have asked in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sure. He's here. He's with us now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, so this is the ministry of Jesus and this is what we are called to. So let's not be afraid to pray for the sick. It's a powerful tool to invite people closer to Jesus, but also to invite the kingdom of God to crash into their everyday realities. But let's, let's push a little bit further, if we may. Jesus not only heals this man spiritually and, as we said, relationally, emotionally, and we saw even that sense of self-worth being restored, and then, obviously, Jesus heals him physically. But we also see that Jesus heals this man socially. I think this is something that is easily overlooked in the passage. Let's explore a little bit. The fact that this man is no longer an invalid now means, just think of his context, right? He was a social outcast. Now, he's no longer a social outcast. He can return to family. He can return to friends and he can know the blessing of a meaningful, mutually beneficial relationship. Up until now, his relationships were not mutually beneficial. He was a beggar. So he would be help me, help me. And it's all one sided. Now he can enjoy this beautiful, reciprocal, meaningful, mutually beneficial kind of connection with people, right? With loved ones, with, with, with others, maybe old friends who've kind of walked out. Who knows? But for the first time in 38 years, there's a kind of a social restoration that's happened. But let's push a little bit more. Jesus restores him from dependence to a kind of independence, you know, where, where Jesus can tell him, no, 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 get up, take up your mat and you need to walk now for yourself. Walk without assistance, unaided, right? But 
He's also restored beyond this because independence should never be the goal in God's economy. When we think of the kingdom, it's never about helping people to become independent or help you to be able to stand on your own feet. No, we need to help people to become interdependent so that they can take what God has given them and share that with others. Right. So what happens is Jesus now moves him potentially from independence to interdependence because he can find his way into corporate worship with other believers. But what's more, now that he can walk, he can work. <laughs> is that obvious or not? <laughs> right? He, he can walk. He's no longer an invalid. So he can work. And the fact that he can work means that he's just been restored. He's just been healed from unemployed to at least employable. Right? Text doesn't say that he got a job, but he's definitely able-bodied now. He's employable. So this also speaks of a kind of a, a socio-economic healing, a socio-economic restoration. At least there's a very real opportunity for that now that Jesus has just provided uh, him with because he's able-bodied. He's able to earn. He's able to work. He's able to work with others. He's now able to contribute to society. Where, where are you going with this, Jeremy? <laughs> As followers of Jesus, we must be aware of emphasizing the importance of spiritual restoration while neglecting to preach and demonstrate social, economic, and, 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 and all of this kind of holistic restoration, especially when it comes to ministering to social outcasts. Today's lame and today's blind in our communities. And let's just bring this home. I'm from the same city as you. I mean, if you're part of, of uh, Connect Church, obviously others may be watching. But we are from the city of Cape Town. And we know who today's lame and blind are in the sense of their social connection to the rest of the city. In fact, this city was not built for the outcasts. The outcasts built the city for those for whom the city became center and hub and home. And, and, and as we look at our legacy today still, the city of Cape Town is not centered around, I mean, just think of the language, it's not centered around those who live on the margins. And that is true even physically, even geographically. People who live on the margins spend lots and lots of money just trying to get to the center so, they, so that they can work, right? And so bringing a kind of a Jesus healing, a complete healing has to mean changing that too. It has to, it has to mean healing the social outcasts so that they are no longer outcasts, so that those on the margins are no longer the marginalized but so that they become the center, not to become independent, but to become interdependent in God's kingdom. So if, if we wish to see the same kind of holistic, complete works of healing demonstrated through our lives and our ministries for the sake of God's kingdom, then we need to walk like Jesus did as we continue to work the works of Jesus. God, heal us so that your healing can be demonstrated through us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Don't go yet. We're not done. I would like to, with the last few minutes uh, I have with you, I would like to invite you into a time of reflection. And if you are not watching this alone, even better, you can have a time of discussion. So let's take a couple of minutes to reflect on the following. Take two or three minutes on each question. The questions will be up on the screen. And um, I trust that uh, your conversations and your reflections will be meaningful, will be challenging, and would help you to apply God's word to your life. Grace and peace to you. Bye-bye. Thank mm -hmm. you.